0: In this episode of 2000 Books, Dory Clark teaches us how to become a thought leader. Dory and I discuss specific actionable ideas on how to find our breakthrough ideas and build a following around them. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, self help, and much more. And I'm your host, Manny Vaughan. Okay, so let me ask you something. Have you ever wanted to sit down with one of the founders of great startups of today like Dropbox, Wikipedia, Udemy, Airbnb, Groupon, and ask them real detailed stories of how they got started, how they went from $0 to the first sale to $1,000 to $100,000 to a $1 million, 10 million, 100 million, even a billion dollars? I mean, how do they really go through those steps? That's what my friend Andrew Warner is doing at Mixergy. And I absolutely love the level of details he gets out of these founders. It's unprecedented. For example, when Andrew interviewed co-founder of Udemy, Gagan Biani, Andrew really drilled into how Udemy grew from nothing. Why did they fail for a whole summer to get any customers? How did they find a partnership? How did they make their first sale? How did they finally get traction? Andrew has done over 1,000 such interviews, with some of the biggest names and they are really helpful and you can find all of them at Mixergy.com. Mixergy's annual membership is $399 per year but for this launch of 2000 Books Podcast Andrew has been very kind to give away three annual Mixergy memberships and you can win one of these three annual Mixergy memberships worth $399 each by just texting the word SUMMARY to four four two two two, and you will have all the details as to how to enter the launch contest. Okay, so now let's get into the interview. Dory Clark is a former presidential campaign spokeswoman and an adjunct professor of business administration at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. She is a marketing strategy consultant and the author of two awesome books: Reinventing You and Standout. Today, she will be giving us the most important actionable ideas from Standout. Dory, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
0: Welcome. Um, Please tell us your personal story. Tell us how you got to this point and what led to the book.
1: Yeah, well, briefly, I'll I'll give you kind of the overview. I actually started my career as a journalist. And uh, about a year into being a, a political reporter in Boston, I got laid off and lost my job. And so I I went through then a a period in my 20s where I was trying to to find a a new career for myself, and I ended up uh, doing some cool stuff. I worked as a spokesperson on a gubernatorial campaign, as a spokesperson on a presidential campaign. Uh, Both of those lost, unfortunately, so those careers did not take. Um, Then I, I ran a nonprofit for a while, and it was in the course of running this nonprofit that I realized... That I had been uh, without really fully realizing it, picking up the skills that I needed to run my own business, so I decided to uh, to go for that, and nine years ago, I launched my own consulting firm um, so the the many reinventions that I did early in my career were kind of the the starting point for me where i I decided uh, I, I wrote my first book, Reinventing you, partially inspired by those career changes and uh, realizing that Lots of other people were going through that too. Reinvention is getting to be a a pretty common phenomenon. So I wrote a little bit about my own experiences, but interviewed dozens of successful professionals who had reinvented themselves to share that process. Um, Stand Out, my new book, is kind of a continuation of that theme because I realize once you you achieve your reinvention, once you have gotten yourself to the place that you want to be, you're happy with your job or you're happy with your career. How do you then get to the top of your field? How do you become a recognized expert in it? And I wanted to try to crack the code on that and understand the process. So I, again, interviewed about 50 top thought leaders in a cross-section of different fields and, uh, and tried to understand their success secrets and essentially reverse-engineer it so that regular professionals could, uh, could follow that roadmap. And uh, that led me to uh, the product, which is now Standout.
0: Got it. And the book is uh, doing extremely well on Amazon. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So give us a brief overview of the book, like a 10,000 feet overview of the book.
1: Absolutely. So basically, Standout is divided into two major sections. Uh, the first section is is about how do you actually find your breakthrough idea? Um, what I, what I discovered in, in the course of, uh, of doing this, you know, if you, if you are a thought leader, this, this is two distinct parts, right? One is, uh, is that you are known for your thoughts. You're known for your ideas. And the second part is that you have to build a following around them. If you're going to be a leader, you need followers. And so I devote, uh, one section of piece in the book to each of those ideas. So in terms of coming up with, with your breakthrough idea, um, I did case studies of a number of professionals and, uh, you know, I can go into more depth later, but but basically, I, I talk about what are some of the techniques and strategies that they've used, and that might perhaps be an inspiration to you uh, to, to begin to think through how do you get your angle, how do you find the place where you can make your unique contribution, and then the second part is uh, is really about building the following. It's about how do you get the the message out there in an increasingly noisy world, so that people can see it, hear it, and hopefully uh, relate to it. That they take it on as their own and they say, Yeah, this this is an idea worth spreading. I um I want to start talking about it.
0: Got it. And I know you have five specific strategies when it comes to breakthrough ideas. What we're gonna do here is um and I feel a little challenged or saddened that I have to make you say, What are the three? What are the three <laughs> ideas that <laughs> that you would want to know about if you were had not written this book and you said, Well, yeah if you did not know about this, what would be the three, the most important ones that would stand out to you?
1: Sure, sure. It is it is hard to pick uh, amongst your children, right? That's right. <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly give you uh, three that I think might be initially and and hopefully immediately useful to your listeners. Um, So the first one is combining different ideas. And what I mean by this is that uh, when you look at innovation, when you look at people who have really come up with interesting breakthrough ideas, oftentimes it is a mixture of different disciplines or different ideas that on the surface don't seem to go together, but when you mash them up, create something new and different and substantial. And so, one example that many of your listeners might be familiar with is uh, the Lean Startup Phenomenon. This is a best selling book by Eric Reese, um, very popular. And the interesting thing, you know, where did this come from? Well, here's somebody who was a tech guy, tried to essentially solve the problem of how do you make startups more effective? How do you make it less likely that a, that a new startup is going to fail? And the place that he looks for inspiration is possibly the last place you'd think he would look for inspiration, which is automotive manufacturing techniques. I mean, that's where Lean comes from, is from uh, you know the assembly line at Toyota and the practices that they honed there. But yet, um, he was able to find uh, aspects of it that really applied to the startup process and blended them together into a new way that made people see things in a different light. Uh, So you can have a big contribution by mixing disciplines, and that's the the first strategy. Um, The second one that I'll suggest might be useful for listeners is the niche strategy. If you want to become a recognized expert, it is you know, one of the one of the fastest and best ways to do it is to really get known for depth in a certain area. And the reason for that is that, first of all, if it's a narrow enough area, there's probably less competition there. There's a lot of technology experts. There's very few people that would be an expert in Periscope or, you know, an expert in uh, e- you know, even something like, like Instagram. You know, there, there's just a lot less competition than a general tech expert. And so if you Go deep in that, it's much easier to establish yourself, um, whether it's giving talks about that, writing articles about that, etc. And then once you've made your contacts, once you've made your reputation in that niche, you can expand out strategically from there. So, starting small and then broadening is the second strategy that I'll share. And the third one uh, is actually what I will call uh, leveraging the power of original research and when i say this i don't mean that you have to uh be you know some kind of a scientist coming up with uh you know inventions and doing research in a lab like that kind of thing i mean regular people can do research of various sorts it's really about uh just creating new information and looking at primary sources yourself rather than just having an opinion about somebody else's opinion about somebody else's opinion. And so, you know, some examples, if you want to establish yourself as an expert, write some case studies based on your clients or people you know, write some white papers, Or, you know, one of my favorite examples that I cite in Standout is uh, a guy named Michael Waxenberg that built a very lucrative second career for himself as a realtor, and he did this without literally even intending to become a realtor. Uh, He and his family were deciding whether to buy an apartment in New York, and he started attending open houses and writing reviews of the open houses, which he posted online. The reviews were so smart and so detailed, people began coming to him saying, will you represent me? Will you be my realtor? And he had such a stream of business that finally he, you know, and he was turning it away. You know, he couldn't represent them. He didn't have a license, but finally he decided to to go for it. He became a realtor. Uh, And that was because of his original research, which was really just as simple as writing up these reviews. And that's really something that anyone can do.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, in building a niche, in building an expert niche, you say you talk about the idea of a T-shaped person. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so there, there's a concept that, that they talk about in, uh, in the worlds of psychology and sociology, the, the so-called T-shaped person. And if you can picture the letter T, basically this is someone who is deep in one area. Uh, you know, that would be the line of the T. Um, but also, they, th- that's not their only thing. You know, they're not an I-shaped person where there's literally just one thing they've got. Uh, they, they have that depth, but they also have breadth. And that that's what's critical. If you if you were to become an expert in a niche and you just stayed there forever, that's actually not that helpful because the whole point of a niche is that there's there's some interest, but it's not the thing that people are talking about all the time. Uh, it is it is a fairly narrow pursuit, and so you, your expertise wouldn't be that relevant most of the time. But if you use that as an entry point and then you strategically broaden out, if you broaden the arms of the T so that, you know, if you become a a Periscope expert, well, guess what? Now you can talk about Twitter and you can become a Twitter expert. And oh, now that you're a Twitter expert, you can talk about social media and become a general social media expert. You know, you you expand out and then your expertise has more and more relevance.
0: Yes. uh, What you're saying is that, uh, a rookie mistake that people will make is they start broad because they assume that, well, what about this and what about that? So I will become a marketing expert. No, 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 no. Go and become a Periscope expert or maybe even more specific how to set up your videos and get following on Periscope and then start to broaden out from there on because that's when you can actually find your community or audience.
1: Yes, Exactly.
0: And then, and now we should move on to the next one, which or the next big thing in the book, which is how to spread. Once you have this breakthrough idea, once you've gone through the niching process, once you've combined the ideas, once you have done the original research, and you feel like there's something out there that you want to uh, share with the world, what's the process?
1: Yeah, so this is uh, this is really a uh, a three step process when it comes to uh, building building your platform, sharing your ideas. So the the first piece. Is what I call building your network, and this is getting the people who are who are close in around you, uh, sort of unified and on board with you. And what I mean by this is that a lot of great ideas actually may, in some cases, die premature deaths because if you push them out too early, if you push them out when they're not, you know, when they when they're not really ready, they're kind of half baked. Um, the the marketplace will probably look at that and say, Ugh, I don't want that even if it might have been a pretty good idea. However, if you have, you could call them a mastermind group, a personal board of directors, people that you trust that can give you honest feedback, they can help you make the ideas better. And they can give you crucial initial support, whether it's emotional support, whether it is uh, resources or connections or ideas, but they can help you refine things to, to really make your ideas better. Then, the next step, the second step, is building your audience, which is where you begin to communicate with a larger group. It's, it's sharing your ideas with the world. It's allowing your ideas to be findable in the world. So this could be uh, blogging. It could be speaking. It could be sharing them on social media, writing a book, you know, all these kinds of things. But it's about uh, building that audience so that people are aware of you and they're starting to listen. And then third and finally, it is building your community. And what I mean by this is that once you get enough traction with an audience, once you have a, you know, a decent number of people listening to you, the next step to really take your idea viral is to get your audience talking to each other. And that means that they're going to be united around you, around the idea. And so it, whether it's online in some kind of a forum, it could be offline in meetups or conferences, whatever it is, but it's about uh, creating a, a forum For people to share that excitement and to enable it to grow exponentially.
0: So, Dory, what what are the hallmarks? When do we know? Okay, it is time to move on to the next step. How how would you realize that?
1: Yeah. So, uh, in in terms of in terms of you know moving on to the next step and, and things like this, I mean to a certain extent, uh, some of these things would begin happening at uh, at similar times. I mean, it's it, the phases are a little bit blurry, but generally, um, what I would say is when you begin to present your ideas to your uh, to your friends, colleagues, you know, the trusted uh, inner group, you you want to um, be thinking through what the arc could look like. Um, you want to start, uh, you know, even at that point, you, you don't even necessarily need to start blogging about things or, or sharing it yet, but start thinking about what it could look like and uh, and hatching out ideas so that when you're ready to shift into the next phase, you are ready for it. You've got the, the content ideas behind you. Uh, but I, I think it's important to, uh, to canvas early on, you know, what's the level of enthusiasm? What kind of feedback do they have? And when you begin, to get more positive feedback than not. You know, when people say, "Oh, this is really interesting. This is great." You know, they, uh, y- you've, you've aired it, and it seems like something that is a worthwhile investment. That's when you can begin to uh, start putting little pings out into the universe to uh, to see what the response is in a broader sense. Um, the transition from the second to the third phase, the audience building to community building, that's something that, in many ways, it happens it begins to happen organically based on the quality of your idea meaning is your idea relevant enough to the the recipients you know interesting enough to them salient enough to them that they want to start talking to each other, that they, uh, that they feel compelled to share it. And once you start to see some evidence that, uh, that there's real momentum and that they are spreading it word of mouth, then it, that, that's the moment when you want to lean into it and try to give them more opportunities and make it easier for them to start sharing the message.
0: So what are some ways we can build a community? We could go many to many. What, what are some, yeah, some specific uh, things people can do?
1: Sure. Well, I'll give you some examples. Um, in Standout, I profile a guy named John Gibb Millspaw and he is—he's uh, very interesting. He is a minister, a Unitarian minister, and he was very involved in what uh, what he calls the ethical eating movement. You know, specifically, how do you get people to really think consciously about their food choices? What and you know, hopefully, encourage them to be more deliberate uh, so that they're doing things like you know, there's a whole. Bunch of ways you could manifest it. Maybe it's shopping more at local farmers markets, or maybe it's buying organic, or maybe it's becoming a vegetarian, or cutting down on the meat that you eat. You know, just choices that that can be a little bit more responsible about how we interact with the planet. Because he's a very big environmentalist, and so he realized that this could not really be a top-down phenomenon. Uh, if you if you tell people. Okay, guys, you can't eat this anymore. That's generally not going to go over very well. Um, People need to discover this for themselves. So as a Unitarian minister, he decided that he would take advantage of the resources that he had at hand. And so he created, there's a process in the Unitarian church um, called study groups, where uh, it's sort of an established thing that in different uh, churches, they will have these, these sort of meetings, these little small groups that get set up to consider an issue and so his his way of doing this was he created materials for the study groups. And this was everything from sample sermons that the minister could use to videos that the study group could watch together and discuss. There were question guides, there were activities, all these things, readings and he set it up, and it turned out that within a period of about three years, forty percent of Unitarian churches worldwide had had gone through the study group process. So sometimes it's it's about just creating materials and leveraging the structure of things uh, that that you might have access to. Uh, something that didn't have a prefabricated structure at all is uh, is meetup groups. You know, sometimes uh, if you are encouraging meetup groups or being helpful to meetup groups, this can be really valuable. So for instance, there's an author, a business author named James Altucher, and uh, he wrote a popular book called Choose Yourself, and there, he discovered that there were starting to be choose-yourself meetup groups that were starting in various cities. And he at first didn't have anything to do with it, but uh, when he saw that this was happening – he decided, oh, you know, this is interesting. And so he began uh, offering to send free books to uh, to the meetup groups as a way of encouraging them and uh, giving them some additional resources. Eric Reese, uh, who we mentioned earlier from the Lean Startup Group, he will sometimes Skype into meetings with different uh, Lean Startup meetup groups around the world. So uh, th- there's ways of, uh, of encouraging uh, folks in a community. Once, once you see that there's traction, you can begin, you know, whether it's giving them Resources, giving them time, uh, but uh, just giving them a little bit of incentive to say, "Yeah, good job, guys. Keep keep going. Keep the discussion moving."
0: This is great. This is very specific, actionable, or people can actually conceptualize it and go and think about how they can apply it in their business, in their podcast or blog or business or startup or wherever they are in the process, and build a structure around it so that they can build a community rather than just one-to-one following um so dory um before we close I, i want you to tell us or give our listeners three very specific actionable pieces of advice or homework because there is no real learning without action and we really live by that here
1: yeah absolutely well the the first one that i'll actually just mention to your to your audience manny is that um on my website, which is doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com, um, I actually have a free 42-page workbook that I created, which is uh, based off of Standout. It has 139 questions that people can work through themselves. Uh, and it's it's in workbook format. There's lines where you can write in your answers. And it, it really walks people step-by-step step through creating their own breakthrough idea and building a following around it. So I would say Action step one for folks who are interested is to, uh, to consider going to doryclark.com and downloading it because I hope that it can be a helpful free resource for them. Uh, the second one that I'll suggest is, uh, is actually one about, uh, about reflection. Um, one of the things that I discovered in writing Standout and uh, doing this research is th- there's actually a really interesting thing, which is that uh, studies show that people who are multitasking think that they are more productive they actually have the feeling that they are more productive when in fact that is an illusion it turns out that that your your mind literally is deceiving you and uh and you're less productive and so i i think that sometimes we're just pushing ourselves too far and what uh what other studies have done there's um A Dutch researcher named Op Dijksterhuis, who has uh, shown that when it comes to creativity, distracted thinking – and I'll explain in a minute what I mean by that – but distracted thinking actually often yields better and more creative results than focused thinking. And so specifically some examples, you know, when we, it's sort of a joke, right? Oh, if you have a creative block, take a walk or go for a drive or, or take a shower. And, you know, we don't seem to know why that's helpful, but it, but it is helpful. Well, it turns out that it relates to this distracted thinking phenomenon because it turns out if you, if you distract your brain enough with an activity that takes just a little bit of concentration, but mostly you don't have to focus on it, you know, something that's, uh, that's, a habitual motor skill at this point, like being in the shower. Um, it's taking your eye off the ball just enough that your brain is able to make far more creative associations. And so uh, if you are, uh, if you're multitasking in the sense of like, oh, I'm listening to a podcast and I'm typing a paper and whatever, that is too much. You are not going to have good thinking there. But uh, if you are distracting yourself in a much more mild way, you're taking a walk and you're thinking about solving a problem, or you're in a sh- the shower and you're, you know, you're, you're figuring out, oh, you know, what's, you know, what's that next step? That's the way to do it. So it's a question of getting the right distractions and uh, and enabling yourself to to really uh, get your best thinking optimized. Um, So that would be the second advice that I have. And the third one uh, that I will just suggest to listeners is to to really begin to think through how do you bring the disparate parts of your Training your skills, your personality to your work and to the tasks that you do. I think for too long we have existed in this world where it's been assumed that we need to kind of leave our personal stamp and our personal selves behind at work. You know, we have to be be professional. Um, But it turns out that that with this phenomenon that I was talking about earlier about the importance of combining disciplines in order to hasten innovation, um, the the real way to do that, the real way to get at the best answers is to bring different lenses to look at the problem. And that could be, you know, I profile a guy who was able to have a lot of breakthroughs in biology because he trained as a mathematician and a computer scientist, and so he saw the world differently. So the more we can tap into pieces of ourselves, whether it's our, our personal background or our professional training, to see the world differently, the more innovations, the more breakthroughs we're going to have.
0: Great, Tori. Thank you very much. And, uh, how can our listeners get hold of you, find your book, and know more about your services?
1: Thanks so much. So uh, my two books, the first one is Reinventing You. The second one, the new one, is uh, about how to become a recognized expert in your field. It's called Stand Out. And you can reach me uh, on Twitter, at Dory Clark. And you can uh, download the 42-page free workbook that I mentioned and also get access to about 400 free articles on my website, DoryClark.com D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Dory. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks so much, Manny. Great to talk with you.
0: So you just listened to a great interview, but how much of it will you really remember two weeks from now? Edgar Dale's research, also known as the Cone of Learning, has shown that two weeks after, we retain as little as 10% of what we read. But that retention of knowledge goes up to 90% if we take action on these ideas. So it's really important that you take action on what you've just learned as soon as possible. And the best way to do it is to text the word summary S-U-M-M-A-R-Y to the number 44222 and you can get the free summary and action guide of this book right away.